Welcome to The Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mom of six kids, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Payne Show. I feel like this episode, we should be recording it outside, not only because it is a beautiful day outside, but also because my guest, y'all, I am so excited about this episode. I have Jenny Urich in studio, and she is the founder of 1,000 Hours Outside. And she doesn't know it because I haven't told her yet, but she has really been instrumental in my life and in a big change that I made in my life over the summer that I have done a podcast episode on. I've talked about her on previous podcast episodes and that 1,000 Hours Outside um, app. Jenny, I made a big change this summer and that was I, I'm kind of embarrassed to tell you, but I am such an inside person. Like I, I feel like I, I feel like this is confession time. For years and years of my life, I just stayed inside. I really like it inside. It's 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 cool in the summer and it's no warm bugs. in the in yes, no bugs. Oh, I do not <laughs> like bugs. And we have a fly flying around right now, I noticed. Um, but this summer, I just realized that is not how I want to live. And that is not mm-hmm. the example that I want to set for my kids. So I set this goal that I've talked about on the podcast of spending three hours outside per day. And at first that felt like this massive goal, because to be honest, there have been many days of my life where I would go, this is terrible, <laughs> for three or four days with not even stepping foot outside except for to get in my car. And I was like, this is not healthy. So I made this change at the beginning of the summer thinking there is no way. Well, I quickly figured out I actually kind of like it outside. And I got to the place where I was spending sometimes four or five hours outside. Wow. It was just this huge change. And what was so interesting, we went um, to the lake. We always go to the lake every year with my extended family. And I realized I didn't want to be in the cabin, like Mm -hmm. I usually would be. I just wanted to be outside. I want to get fresh air and sunshine. Anyway, so thank you for, without you knowing, I know this has been thousands and thousands and thousands of people have had the same story probably, (laughs) but I'm excited to have you in studio to talk about your brand new book, Until the Streetlights Come On, How a Return to Play Brightens Our Present and Prepares Kids for an Uncertain Future. So that was a very long introduction, longer than usual, because I wanted to share that with you. But I'd love for you to start by just introducing yourself to my audience. Oh, Crystal, thank you. I am thrilled to be here. This is such a treat. Also, at least we're close to outside because you have these beautiful windows and there's a tree in here. And so they say that even looking at nature just helps you feel calmer. So it's a fake tree, but you know, we'll pretend it's it's kind of close. All right. So (laughs) I'm thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to be here down in Tennessee. We're from Michigan. Love coming down to visit. Uh, My story is just that I really struggled when our kids were young and I didn't, I didn't come up with this because I was really good at it or because I love to go outside. Mm. I actually like to read and I like to play the piano. And so I would be at home and I would probably stay inside too. There's a lot of great things to do inside. (laughs) You can cook and there's chores and all these things. But when our kids were little, I had a hard time. I was really discouraged, really depressed because there were so many needs and I felt like I was failing. I felt like I would wake up and I would fail all day long and kids are crying and they're unhappy and then I would fail through the night. It just was constant. And so 
I lived that way for a really long time, like several years where I would just be going to different events, trying to take up the time in the day and basically survive. And the kids, they didn't love the events. You know, it's like <laughs> you're trying to corral little kids to do anything is a lot of work and a lot of energy and a lot of effort. And so sometimes I would come home from this program or that program. It would be like 11 a.m. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I have so much time still left of this day. So I have this one random thing that happened. And sometimes I think in our life, like we can have these one random little things that happen that change the whole course. That's what happened for me. I had a friend at MOPS. MOPS was another program that I did, you know, trying to do all these different programs. And she was at my table and she said, Charlotte Mason says that kids should be outside for four to six hours a day. What? Four to six hours? What is that? It's so much time. I thought it was completely absurd, Crystal. I'm like, I never heard of that. Four to six hours. I'm like, who has that much time? What are the kids going to do? This, is, this isn't this is going to work. And she didn't tell me that Charlotte Mason's from the 1800s. Don't you think she should have prefaced with that? <laughs> like she should have said, I'm going to tell you what somebody said from the 1800s. And she didn't. <laughs> and I know people named Charlotte. So I thought this was like current information. So then she asked me if I wanted to try it. And I was thinking... Goodness, no. No. And I'm like, have you been to the library program? It's like 45 minutes of cajoling kids and they're hitting the other one and you're trying to keep them on task and passing out snacks. I was like, I'm not doing anything for four hours, you know? So anyway, but I wanted to have friends. So that was like a bigger motivation than saying no. So I went and we went to this park. This is, it's been, it's been 12 years since mm -hmm. the original day. And it was in September of 2011. 12 years. I'm actually going to, I'm getting teary thinking about it, like really teary because mm. my life changed in mm. one day. <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting so teary, but here we go. So I go to a park. This is the story, literally the story. I go to a park for four hours. It changed my life mm. because we got there at nine in the morning. I think I'm so emotional because we've had such a good life mm. for these 12. It's been so good. I've actually never done it, but... <laughs> A podcast hardly in person, so maybe this isn't really for me. <laughs> um, well, having therapy, you just didn't yeah, know. It's, it's really different than doing it on the screen. But but the point is, is that I went to a park from nine in the morning till one in the afternoon with a, with nothing. Like we took a picnic lunch and a picnic blanket, and I just thought this day is going to crash and burn. What are these kids going to do for four hours? I'm like, we don't have any Play-Doh. We don't have books. We don't have a water table. This is just grass. You know, it's like right there. It's like grass, you know? There was a little creek that ran through some ducks. And we each had three kids, two, you know, each had a baby and then two older kids that were running around like preschool age. And they just played. They played from nine to one. They played for four hours. And it was, I tell people, it was the best day of my life because it was the first good day I had as a mom. Mm. I not had a good day. I've been a mom for three years and I had not had one good day. And then I did. And it was just a beautiful day because everyone got what they needed. And I think that's one of the hardest things about parenting is that it, it feels like someone's always getting the short end of the stick, right? It's like the mom is running around, the dad is running around, you're exhausted, your blood pressure's through the roof, or you know, the, the kid is on a screen and that's taking up a good majority of their childhood so that you can get this done or that done, or you need, you know, a little bit of mental space, all of this. And so when, what I learned and what I've learned over the last 12 years is that when we go outside and simply go outside, when we talk about saving money, right? You just go, you don't have to bring anything, you know, you don't need a scavenger hunt. You don't have to buy a game. You just go and you take your food that you are already going to eat. It's like cost the same amount. 
There's no more extra money. And you go and it helps kids develop their cognition. It helps them develop their physical bodies. And I'm talking about like their eyesight, their their gross and fine motor muscles, you know, their their shoulder girdle, their core strength. They are more flexible. So we're talking about physical, their immune system, that lymphatic fluid is flowing through. So there's a lot going on physically beyond just even the movement. So, you know, we're talking cognition, physical, emotional, even just looking at nature provides respite. We need respite. We got, you know, kids that are struggling with all sorts of things. The parents need respite too. It also helps with social skills. Wow. This is kids are coming up with something out of nothing. That's what they're going to have to do because the jobs that are coming, we've never heard of. Who knew I would be sitting here crying in a podcast room, you know, like that. I didn't even know that was a thing when I was graduating from high school. And so the social skills is a huge piece of it. And, you know, for families that are interested, some are, some aren't, then there's spiritual components too. God's creation is a display of, of spiritual truth. So for some families they are looking for that, and it is this whole child development piece that happens when we go outside. So I like to say that you can do less and gain more mm. simply by step, stepping outside. Wow, was that emotional? We've had a really good life, Crystal. Well, I think that's what's so beautiful to think of that one conversation. You know yes. how God planted that one woman at your table to ask you, and you were resistant, and yet you still said yes, mm-hmm. and you had no idea how that simple yes was going to change the trajectory of your life. Yeah. Yeah, for our whole family. Mm-hmm. Like, we were really underwater. And I think that's why I get emotional about it. It's like, I love my kids, but I would say that I hated being a mom mm-hmm. for three years. Mm-hmm. And then this one thing comes along, and it changes my whole experience. At the beginning, I was just doing it really for my own mental health because I was thinking, okay, if I can go outside and I can be more present, we can be a little bit more calm. You know, the kids played from nine to one, then they all fell asleep in the car on the way home from the park. It was like a miracle. You know, and then it's three, four o'clock. This is a total different experience. And so even if it was just for my own mental health, but then, and I started to learn about what's going on with the neural wiring in their brains and the vestibular sense. And when they get their head out of an upright position and how all these things are contributing to their development, I was like, this is a, this is a miracle. So let's start for the mom who is listening and thinking, oh my goodness, like I can relate to how you felt. I'm in over my head. I'm not enjoying motherhood. I really want to find a way to enjoy motherhood. This sounds amazing, but where do I actually start? I know for me, like I have a three-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-year-old and I love to take them outside, but sometimes the logistics of, mm-hmm. you know, we I can't leave them outside by themselves right. right now. And so I need to get stuff done in the house too. And so I'd love for you to speak to the mom who has the little kids who's saying, I want to do this, but practically how can I do this and still get the things done that I need to get done? Mm-hmm. Well, if you started just how we started, you need one friend who's got kids too. Because when other kids come, even if it's multi-age, and actually, especially if it's multi-age, multi-age is really good for kids' development. So you need one friend, anyone. Be weird, ask someone to come with you. And if they say no, then ask someone else. And you need to find a place where you're not by traffic, Mm -hmm. where they're not going to drown, you know, where you can have this big sort of open space where kids can run safely. You can keep an eye. You can go grab them if you need to. A a playground may not be the best fit for a two and a three-year-old because then you're worried they're going to fall off this edge or they're going to fall off that. So you're finding an open space and somewhere that's relatively close to you. Then you need food and water, maybe a first aid kit because little ones fall. 
And you're going to go. You're going to pick a time in your day. Maybe it's from 10 to 1 so that you can be back for nap time and you can still get your chores done and you can still prep for dinner. Or you're going to say after dinner as a family, we're going to go, I'm going to bring my husband because then there's an extra set of hands. We're going to meet up with another family. We could go for dinner and bring a little, the food that we were already going to make or whatever. We could go camping on a weekend, you know, to start to increase that amount of time outside. But I think you start, I mean, I started with a picnic blanket and a picnic lunch Mm. in a field of grass and a friend and a friend. Mm. I think the friend is the key. And so what happens is, first of all, your house is a little less messy, not a lot less, but a little less because you're not in it quite as much. And you still have time, you know, back in the olden days, which is not that old, but you know, even in the eighties and the nineties, kids were spending three, three to four hours of time outside every day, just naturally woven into society because they had several recesses. The recesses were kind of long. Maybe you walked to school, you would come home, you wouldn't have as much homework. Kids would play in the neighborhood. So that was woven into society, but it's not anymore. And I think that I have at times been jealous of that. Like, oh, you know, if I was a mom in the 80s, I could have just kicked my kids out of the house and they would have gone and played with all the neighborhood kids. And then my house would have been spotless. I could have made a really good meal. I could have read a book. But the way that society is structured now, it forces the mom to go too sometimes. Mm -hmm. But guess what? That's given me a real good life, Mm -hmm. a real good life, real good relationships, relationships with depth, the people that I've done things with. And I think that with this increase of technology, it's hard for kids, but it's also hard for parents. So actually, it's given me a little bit of a boundary, right? Whereas before, I mean, that type of thing wasn't as much of an issue. People weren't so depressed. They weren't scrolling all the time. That wasn't available. So maybe the moms didn't need to get out as much. Mm. But I think now they do. Mm. So it's something that does for everyone. So you start with finding a chunk of time once a week. Can you find three hours? Can you find four hours? Can you pack your food up? Can you find a friend? And can you go somewhere easy? I love that. That's so doable. Like probably all of us can do that. And the other thing about that, you're developing relationships with a friend. I hear from so many moms who say, I don't have time to invest in friendships because Mm -hmm. I've got these little kids and they always need me. Well, here is your ticket to successfully developing friendships and finding the people who, you know, if you go sit in a field for three hours with someone, do that every single week, you're probably going to get to know them pretty well. And and that can be a beautiful thing for you as a mom. But also I was thinking, then you're not going to be online either. And I think as moms, Mm -hmm. a lot of times we don't realize how much time we're spending on screens. Yeah. And how detrimental that is for us. Yeah. And something that I have just started doing actually just in the last few weeks is having intentional offline time every single day. And I realize I get so much more done when my phone is non-existent. When it's like, no, I'm not checking. I'm, you know, and my team knows that I'm not just, I'm offline and it's just quiet. And I just think that is so good for my soul to just be able to have that quiet, and maybe it's not quiet in the sense of there are still children needing things, but it's quiet in my mind, as in I'm not being distracted by all of the things on my phone and I can just focus on this cleaning project or just sit with a child and read a book and just be more present and available. Mm -hmm. Right. Things have changed. Mm -hmm. They've changed for the kids, but they've also changed for the parent. And so your point is a good one that when we take these little rhythms and we infuse them in our life and we trust them. We know that this is a really good investment of time. And I think that is where the the misnomer is. And it's where I was too. 
It was like, well, did we go outside before? Yeah, a little bit. You know, in the leftover space, maybe we'd run to the park or this 30 minutes or that. But I think it's a foundational piece because kids are biologically born to self-educate. You know, we don't teach a kid how to crawl. They figure it out. I mean, they can't even talk, right? And they figure out these really complex things. And so, you know, for neurotypical kids and, you know, there's a, there's a trajectory and for, you know, every, every child is growing in whatever way it is that they're growing. And so when we take a step back and allow them that time and space, they grow in the ways that they need to grow. Their bodies drive them on. And so it's a really worthwhile use of your time. It's not frivolous. And I think when we look ahead at what's coming for our kids and the type of jobs that we don't even know exist and these situations where it's no longer, you're going to have a job for 30 years, you're going to get it when you're 22 and you're going to retire when you're 52, you're going to have a pension. That's not the world we live in anymore. We live in one that's rapidly changing. And so in order for a kid to have a quick and adaptable brain, they have to play. They have to mess around with things. It doesn't happen at a desk. You know, they have to have grit and resilience and deal with the weather and deal with other kids who don't want to play the way that they want to play. And there's a little bit of conflict there and they have to resolve it. But that all comes from their own intrinsic motivation because they want to play. So they resolve it. They work it out because if they don't, I love this story Dr. Peter Gray talks about. His book is Free to Learn, one of my favorites. He talks about like, okay, if kids are playing a pickup game of sports, at a little basketball, I say baseball because we had one growing up. There was a little baseball field. It was like nothing. There was really no bases, but it had some sort of a dugout. We would go and play there when we were kids. And sometimes there'd be six kids that show up. And sometimes there'd be nine. Sometimes there'd be three. And every single time you had to renegotiate the rules. This person's going to be all-time pitcher. Where's, where, you know, where's the outfield? All of that every time because it's a different number of kids. Well, if an older kid slams into a younger kid and then that kid quits and cries and goes running home, the game's over. And so kids self-regulate. They say there's hardly ever any injuries in pickup sports Mm. because the kids want to play. They want to keep playing. So they self-regulate and they're learning how to get along in a world with other people. So it's, it's an extremely worthwhile use of time. Are you ready to turn your home into a sanctuary of productivity and inspiration? Look no further than Home Threads, where functionality meets stylish organization. At HomeThreads.com, you'll discover furniture designed for the ambitious go-getter. From efficient workstations to chic storage solutions, they've got everything you need to make your home a hub of success. I got to order from Home Threads, and I think of them pretty much every single day because I have this beautiful tree that I ordered from them and this stand in my office, and it just adds the perfect touch, and I love it so much. If you'd like to order from Home Threads, head over to homethreads.com forward slash crystal and get a code for 15% off your order. Because where your home supports your dreams, anything is possible. That's homethreads.com forward slash crystal to get 15% off. Homethreads, love where you live. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then, when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. I got to try out Armoire, and I was so impressed. I've tried a few other clothing rental services in the past few years, and this one, by far, 
has been my favorite. Not only did I love taking the style quiz because it was really enlightening and insightful to me to figure out what my style is And it kind of helped me to refine some things that I didn't realize before. I'm more of a classic style, by the way. But also, I was super impressed within what they curated for me to pick from for my case that they would send to me. And I have to tell you, so I got the armoire case in the mail, which is just a fancy way of saying the bag of clothes that they sent to me. And I have loved everything every single one. In fact, I'm wearing one pair of jeans that they sent me yesterday. I wore jeans and a sweater that they sent to me. And I have just been so surprised how they nailed my style, nailed my size, and have sent me clothes that I have loved. So they have so many different clothes to choose from, so many different styles and sizes. And I love that they're all very high quality. If you would like to try out Armoire. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit Armoire Style forward slash crystal. That's Armoire Style, A R M O I R E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry what to wear again. Try Armoire today. So you have four kids now, right? What yeah, are they? We have, we've got five. Oh, you've got five. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell me their ages. So well, this is a cool thing too. We started when our oldest was three. He's 15. So they're 15, 14, 12, 11, and seven. And so tell me about how this has been for them. Because I think, you know, it's easy for some of us to wrap our minds around when they're younger. Mm-hmm. But as they've gotten older, how has, how has this concept of kind of allowing them free time to be outside to play. Tell me what that looks like. Mm -hmm. It's so fun. This is the thing. I had no idea. I had no idea. But as your kids get older, depending on what they're interested in, a lot of times they can do some really exciting things. So for example, I went down to Moab, Utah with our 13-year-old daughter, and we went in June and we did a five-day rafting trip down the Green River five days of rafting. We did rappelling. We did a Hummer tour and she's able to do that. We sent our tent up together and we've got our cots and our sleeping bags. We talk about it all the time. We took our whole family very recently up in the upper peninsula of Michigan and did a real quick rafting trip. Minimum age is six. You know, we go to these places like where you can jump off the rocks into Lake Superior. So what's happened is it's grown. And a lot of people ask about teens, right? Like Because the typical thought of a teen is they're just on their phone. They just want to be on screens. But I think we have the responsibility to help them to know what analog life is like, that these things are really exciting. They love a good hike. They like to bike ride. And so the thought from the cognition standpoint is that when we do things that are increasingly complex, so this is for any child, is we've got kids that do 1,000 hours outside that have prosthetics, or we have kids that are blind, and we have kids that are in wheelchairs, all of these different things. But when we do anything that's increasingly complex, or we have all this sensory input, like for example, the sun, it goes right, you know, it'll go through your eyes to your brain, or it can go through your skin, you know, all these different things happen physiologically, I think that's the word. But as far as the cognition, it's like, we do these complex things, we have these sensory experiences, and it helps our brains work better. So there's this really cool statistic by Dr. Carla Hannaford who wrote a book called Smart Moves. 
That's one of my favorites. She's like a pediatric occupational therapist. Kids are struggling. This is her whole thing. She didn't learn to read till she was 10. Now she's a PhD. It's a good story. But she said that elderly people who dance regularly have a 76% less chance of developing dementia. 76% for dancing. And she said, what's going on is that these complex movements, they enhance our brain function and they protect our brain function. So what I noticed with our kids is that over the years, when they're three, they're toddling through the woods, they're stepping up on a log, they're jumping off, their body is intrinsically pushing them to try harder and harder things. They're trying to climb the little apple tree, then they're going higher. So now our kids that are teens, they're doing trick shots, they're playing basketball, they're riding their bikes, they skateboard, they're doing all these different types of things. And I think kids, they might like to fish. That's all complex movement. They try things that challenge them. And throughout the entirety of life, you can continue to do that. And it helps with your development. It's real fun. I'm so glad. I never could have imagined that we laid that foundation. My midwife says, someday our kids may come back to us and say, why didn't you put more limits on the phones? And that really struck a chord with me. They're going to come back. There's some accountability there. I talked to a young man recently who's 20 years old. He goes to college down in Florida. And he said his childhood was a social wasteland. Mm-hmm. He was so grieved. You're so excited about your teen years and parties and going to the mall. He said, that like, doesn't even exist anymore. So kids are on their phones and you can't walk up and have a conversation. And everything is a little fake because it could be photographed and saved in perpetuity. So I think it's our responsibility to let our kids have a front row seat to the life that we had. You know, we're the last ones that had an analog childhood. The last ones. So I think it's part of what we're called to do as parents in this day and age. I think of the parents who are listening who have teenagers who feel like we didn't start this when they're young. And Mm -hmm. I hear from moms often who are saying, I don't have a relationship with my child. Um, He seems like he's always depressed. Uh, She never wants to come out of her room. She doesn't want to do anything with the family. And they're listening to this thinking we've, we've missed the boat. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that parent? I would say, find a friend and go outside. For three hours, go on a hike. Say, we're going to go do this as a family. Make sure you take a friend. Maybe take a really good snack, something your teen really likes. Like they like that cookie. They like this. We're going to go get ice cream after, whatever it is. But a lot of times I say start with a hike because if there's a hike that's close to you, it's accessible, maybe it's a half mile, maybe it's a mile, then you're stuck out there. Mm. You're stuck. No one's coming to get you. You're at least going to be out there for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And you can walk and you can talk and you notice things. And so it works. That really works for the infant all the way through the grandparent, right? It works for your six-week-old. It's going to work for your 60-year-old grandma. It's going to work for your 16-year-old. And you bring a good snack and you bring a friend, bring a friend. My, you know, my kids don't want to go outside. I don't think a lot of people want to go outside. I think they want to stay put. And I think transitions are hard and that inertia to get over the hump. So you make a plan. You say, look, we're meeting up. After dinner, we're going to, or we're going to go to the park and have a chilly night, whatever it is. We're going to bring our games, whatever your kid loves to do. You want to try and incorporate that outside, but start small, start with something simple, invite friends. One of the things I was talking about the lake vacation um, this year, our kids pretty much all decided that they weren't going to be on their phones. They were going to try to see how, like if they could not be on their phones, which they ended up, they're like, it wasn't a big deal, but I love to watch when you know, you take away all the normal things of life 
and you just, they're just out on a boat in the lake and out swimming in the water and the things that they come up with to do. And even the, their um, uncles are always getting in on this. You know, there's always some challenge of let's see who can climb the highest rock or jump the farthest. Mm -hmm. It's always something. And we're just Mm -hmm. laughing so hard. And it's like, we didn't bring any supplies to make this happen. It just sort of happened. And Mm -hmm. it's just, those are the memories that we hang on to and that our kids just look forward to so much. And I love that you talk about snacks. That's real important. Um, I was also thinking, do you ever have days where, you know, you don't want to go outside, your kids don't want to go outside and you're like, this is good for us. What do you do on those days? Well, sure. I mean, this is the whole thing. This is really my bend. It, It wasn't my intention from the beginning to be like people call me the uh, one thousand hours outside lady. I was like, well, I, I mean, I play the piano, you know. I mean, I don't have one that's outside, so it wasn't really my thing. But you know, we have a goal, and I think that is what keeps it forefront of mind and keeps us being accountable. Because I could start to see, look, you know, we've got two hundred seventy hours that we need to get in by the time the year ends, and by doing that, it helps to make sure that I plan it in. Otherwise, I don't think that I would. And so that's what I do. I would say most of the time I don't really want to. Sure, there's a ton of other things that we could do. And I think even from a schooling perspective, whether you do homeschool or you public school, you private school, there's a lot of pressure to include a lot more schoolwork, right? We think, oh, we, we don't want them to fall behind and we want them to have all these different educational opportunities. And so this is also a way for me to push past that, to remind myself that, no, this is this is an educational opportunity. This actually really counts as learning. It helps all that other learning, all the seat work learning come quicker and be a little bit easier. And so by having that goal, it helps me to stay accountable. So I don't know if that really answered the question, but that's, that's how I push myself out is by saying, I've got this year long goal. And the reason it's a year is because not everybody can go outside for three hours every day. Mm-hmm. We can aim for it, but some days we go to the lake we, and we're there for 10 hours. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of evens out, right? Like there's real life. We got therapy, you got dentist appointment, you got this appointment, you got work, all these different types of things. So someone's sick. And we're looking at it over the course of a year. The other thing I noticed when I started challenging myself to do this is so many different things that can be brought outside, like eating meals outside, doing our schoolwork, doing our reading, you know, watching the kids while maybe I can do something on my computer and maybe that totally beats the purpose, but you know, I think so. bringing it outside. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that because the light, when the full spectrum light comes to your eyes and it goes to your brain and especially in the morning especially in the morning, like before noon, you're out there for 15, 20 minutes. It goes right to your brain and it helps your body release serotonin. Serotonin is what makes you feel good. So you feel good. You go outside in the morning, you move a little bit, you feel good. At night, that serotonin turns into melatonin. So you got happy kids in the morning, sleepy kids at night. Yes. Okay. Thank you. So you got that, but the full spectrum light, it resets. There's a hundred body systems that depend on that day and night cycle. Mm. So simply by taking your book outside, taking your newspaper, taking your coffee, going and having a conversation on the park, uh, on the park bench, whatever that is, it actually really counts. People ask that a lot. It's the biggest question we get. Does this count? What if my kid is in a stroller? Does that count? And I think sometimes people are looking at it as like, well, you have to be hiking to a waterfall in order for it to count. But it's no, you, your meal outside, you're going to go play a game of cards, but you're getting that full spectrum light. You're getting surround sound of nature sounds that helps with brain growth as well. And just calmness and peace and all of those different things, the smells, all of it, it does a whole lot for our bodies. And so for me, just like the little habits of every morning, I usually would, you know, 
look at my notebook, write out my list, read books, read the Bible. That's what I do every morning. And so just taking that outside, like it just, it was such a simple thing that I was like, oh, I can pretty easily, if I do that and then do some computer work outside, get in an hour and a half of outside time without even any sort of effort. And it's just starting my day with that fresh air and sunshine. Mm -hmm. I found it makes such a difference. Yeah. Like it just feels like I know that not only physically, like, is it doing things, but I think also mentally, I'm like, I'm I'm making good choices, you know, and then that kind of that ripple effect of like starting your day with making good choices instead of just laying in bed, scrolling on your phone or Mm -hmm. something, you know, I feel like then that encourages you to continue to, you know, good habits beget good habits. That's the whole thing, right? They call them cornerstone habits, Mm -hmm. that that's the foundational one. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So as we close, I just wanted to read this one paragraph of your book because I really loved how you said that the thousand hours outside premise isn't to set aside technology completely. It's not a binary choice. Rather, it's an invitation to chase after what's real, to strive for a desperately needed balance. Instead of being restricting, as in you must spend this many hours outside each year, the premise is inviting. You get to. The world is waiting for you. And I really think that's what you have shared on the podcast. It's like, it makes us all just want to go outside. It's not this thing of like, you have to, but you get to. And so what a gift we can give to our kids by us as parents. It takes a little bit of effort. You know, it it takes a little bit of effort. We have to kind of step outside our comfort Mm -hmm. zone and push ourselves maybe in a way of, you know, that that's not what we normally do and change some of our habits. But starting that from the time that they're little, if we have little ones, or even if they're teenagers, or even if we don't have any kids at home yet, or we don't have any kids at home anymore, just setting that, I feel like it's such a gift that we're giving to ourselves, but then also to our kids as well. And so I just really appreciate this book. I'm excited for people to get it into their hands and hopefully it's going to inspire more people to prioritize play, prioritize spending time and being with our kids outside and just putting down the phones, Mm -hmm. setting aside the screens and being able to just enjoy the beauty of nature and really see what is around us and the gifts and the goodness. So thank you so much, Jenny, for inspiring all of us with the work that you're doing. And I'm just excited to see how it's going to impact my life and my little kids, um, you know, for the rest of their life. I feel like, you know, that conversation that you had with that friend that changed your life and then the ripple effect that you are having in so many families' lives. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you so much, Crystal. You brought me to tears. (laughs) So the book is Until the Streetlights Come On, How Return to Play Brightens Our Present and Prepares Kids for an Uncertain Future. And we will link it in the show notes. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.